Welcome to the Awakened Midwife podcast, where free-thinking women come to be enlightened, intrigued, and entertained. I'm your host, Alice Giltrow. Let's dive in. Welcome back to another episode of the Awakened Midwife podcast. This week, we are chatting all things breastfeeding and lactation because it is World Breastfeeding Week. Now, first off, I wanted to say that this week can be really triggering for those women who did not get adequate support and whose breastfeeding journeys ended before they wished. Unfortunately, in Australia and pretty much everywhere around the world, our breastfeeding rates are plummeting and people seem to have this misconception in our society that it's because women don't want to anymore or they're not trying hard enough. And I firstly just want to put that myth to bed that that's not the case. We, we know from studies now that over 95%, it might even be higher than that, of women want to breastfeed but through circumstances where they don't have adequate support like access to a lactation consultant or adequate support you know antenatally to pick up any issues that could be prevented or supported during that time which I'll talk about soon basically through no fault of their own they are let down and yeah so they don't meet their breastfeeding goals um and that's just heartbreaking so this week can be really tricky for people for those of you who really wanted to breastfeed and who know that it is the healthiest way and the best way to feed your baby um, if you have that support and you have that option but I just wanted to send you all lots and lots of love and I will talk about ways that you can support yourself on your journey later in the podcast so first off I'm going to clarify something that the internet loves to harp on about and it's really divisive sometimes Um, and that is the slogan fed is best now this is not something that I um, support or say and that's because feeding your baby is the bare minimum if you don't feed your baby you will that's neglectful care right um you would have child safety involved and that would be really bad your baby could get very very sick and die so saying fed is best isn't really accurate because it's more like fed is minimum and yeah i don't love the term breast is best either because it does kind of um diminish or doesn't take into account all of the hardships that women face with breastfeeding. And again, I'll get into that in a minute. But there's no denying that breast milk is the perfect nutrition for your baby. Just as your body has nourished your baby while pregnant, it has the innate wisdom to continue doing so after birth. But breastfeeding is a learned skill one that in recent generations has mostly been lost. It's very common to need help in the early days, but it's also can be really tricky finding that help. So let's talk about the history of breastfeeding. Breastfeeding has always been normal 
and normalised throughout history. It was really commonplace to see women breastfeeding in public um, and we know that because we have these paintings from more ancient times and even photographs from you know, the early 1900s of women breastfeeding in public whenever and wherever their babies needed it. Nearly all American and Australian women breastfed their babies prior to the 1930s. That's something that people don't realise, that not breastfeeding your baby was incredibly rare before that time. And it was really those women who had medical conditions or who passed away that didn't feed their babies from their own breast. The decline in breastfeeding during and after World War II, which was the 1940s, was when women entered the workforce in really high numbers. The mother-baby dyad was seen as a hindrance to feminism during this time. And that was when women really stepped up and got into the workforce in huge volumes because the men were overseas at war. But unfortunately, that was really detrimental to new mothers and their breastfeeding relationships. So ways that you can support your breastfed or your breastfeeding journey I should say is it really starts antenatally so before you've had your baby getting educated like I'm sure you are on how breastfeeding works and that's because there's some really common myths um, and they circulate all the time on social media and In our society, it's actually pretty rare now to meet a woman who's breastfed her baby into toddlerhood. Um, It's not obviously, like it does happen, obviously. I have breastfed my own children well into their second year of life. Um, But for many women, they just don't have anyone in their circle of friends who have that knowledge and experience. So by educating yourself and getting in touch with healthcare providers when you're pregnant is a great way of setting the foundations for a healthy breastfeeding relationship. Now, why I think this is of vital importance is because when you've had your baby, if you are having feeding issues and you don't know who to turn to and you're relying on the current maternity care system, which is the midwives in the hospital, um, maybe a hospital-based IBCLC, which is lactation consultant, you may be let down because, for one, not all hospitals have an IBCLC, the lactation consultant, even available to them. And two, often they don't work on weekends or at night time. And that's often when, you know, women need help. So... You also can't really rely on pediatricians or doctors to really have any knowledge on breastfeeding unless they have educated themselves. Maybe they're a GP and a lactation consultant. I have met a couple of them, but they are very rare. It's really widely known and um, recognized now that the breastfeeding education in medical school when doctors are becoming doctors is basically non-existent. They get an hour's presentation at uni if they're lucky on infant nutrition. And really all they're told about is how the breasts actually work, how the, sometimes, sometimes they don't even get this, how milk supply happens, um, where the milk actually comes from inside the breasts and the hormones that are involved. 
sometimes they're taught about any medications that can help um, support supply issues but even then that's probably stretching it and often the message is breastfeeding is natural but we all know that birth is natural and that never goes right massive asterisks there because I do not believe that and science does not believe that but the medical professionals do <laughs> so that's why I do commonly say to get a second third fourth fifth and sixth opinion if your pediatrician if your obstetrician if your midwife or if your child health nurse is telling you that the latch looks good and that baby is gaining weight or isn't and that therefore it's fine even if you have nipple trauma i've heard these stories like constantly of women who have really bad nipple trauma really painful attachment when they are breastfeeding and they're gaslit and told that oh it looks good and the baby's putting on weight so you know i don't know how to help you it's basically how they say but they don't say that and so that's why you need to keep searching until someone helps you unfortunately in many cases women are not supported at all in their postpartum let alone in their breastfeeding journey so for women who have standardized medical care in their pregnancy that means that maybe they have not seen the same midwife or even doctor the whole way through they're seeing a different person every time and you know it's very common for women not even to think about breastfeeding other than oh yeah i want to try that yeah i you know i definitely know that breastfeeding is really healthy for me and my baby so i want to try right but that's usually the extent to which women prepare they think yep cool i'm gonna breastfeed maybe they'll get a breast pump maybe they will breast buy some breast pads and that's about it now i am a massive advocate of birth maps as you all know and i'm also a massive advocate for a postpartum map and within that map has to be a massive section on breastfeeding and infant nutrition and what I mean by this is I want you to be so prepared and so educated on how breastfeeding works what your rights are and where you can get support in your local communities and with the healthcare providers that you have local to you or you know knowing where the closest one is for instance where i live in toowoomba in queensland here we have one absolutely amazing lactation consultant she is the bee's knees and everyone wants to see her she's great but it's also a really good idea to have down the contacts of anyone else who could help in the area if say she's on holidays or if she's really sick or she's just not available for some reason but then also having contacts of people who will assess your baby for a tongue tie um, and who, who could maybe correct that, things like that. And then even just knowing what a tongue tie is and what to look for and that you have to do more than just look in a baby's mouth, right? You have to actually, they have to put their fingers in under their tongue and lift the tongue, right? They have to actually touch your baby's mouth and if they're not doing that, then they're not doing an assessment. And this feels like the hill I die on all the time when it comes up to breastfeeding because I don't even know why tongue ties are so 
um, controversial. To me, it makes zero sense because we've known throughout history that tongue ties are a physical thing. It's not something that's modern and made up or whatever. We have paintings and the hieroglyphs in ancient Egypt times of of tongue ties and people getting them released. And we have ancient, oh, I don't know if we call them ancient, probably ancient medical textbooks and midwifery textbooks from the 15, 16, 1700s when tongue ties are spoken about and how they can hinder breastfeeding and oral development, speech problems, um, and other nutritional issues, right? So this is not new. What is new is that in the last, let's say, 50 to 80 years, the knowledge has been lost from care providers of how to assess a tongue tie and how to correct it at the time of birth. So these poor women and babies are struggling sometimes for weeks, months or even years undiagnosed. And this is something I am quite passionate about. Um, In my family, we have a wide history of tongue ties. My dad, if anyone who's met him, he does stutter and he has a whopping great tongue tie. He has sleep issues and he's always had headaches, um, jaw pain, all of these problems. And he is 70 years old. And I realized the other day when he was speaking that I could see his tongue was tethered to the bottom of his mouth, nearly all the way to the tip of his tongue at 70 years old. And he had went through speech pathology and all of these things as a child. And yet, yeah, no one has ever suggested releasing that for him. I'm in my 30s. And again, I only found out probably five years ago that I have a significant tongue tie. And yes, my other oral muscles and ligaments have compensated so I can speak well. But there are lots of things and lots of ways that it does affect me. I have something called temporomandibular jaw dysfunction, which is TMDJ. And it means that my jaw basically locks up and it's because all of the other ligaments and muscles in my mouth and jaw basically overcompensate. So I've had it so bad before that I've had to go to a chiropractor and have like a facial massage for an hour before they can put my jaw back into alignment. And yet, no one ever brought that up to my mum. And just because she successfully breastfed me, she does say that it was painful for the entire two and a half years. Every feed was painful and she always had trauma. But she was constantly told that the latch looked good. I was her fifth baby and she was determined to breastfeed me. And so I know that that's just my personal history. My own children, both of them have had significant tongue ties with my eldest the midwife that we had told me that she didn't really believe in them or you know they're really common nowadays and she didn't really know what to think and you know that basically she just left it up to me and kept saying the latch looks good I don't know how to help you maybe you should see someone else and so I did I sought out other care but It was really tricky and thankfully I'm a midwife so I knew who to go to and I knew the steps to take. Um, And as soon as I saw that lactation consultant, um, 
She looked in my child's mouth and did a proper thorough assessment. And he had a whopping great big tongue and lip tie and couldn't flange his lip at all at the breast. And he had all of the signs of tongue tie. So let's move on. And I think I talk about tongue tie in a minute anyway. And I can explain the signs of it. So when you actually have your baby, you can do this thing called breast crawl. Now, this is basically how our ancestors, how they would have cared for their babies, right? So you would have had your baby given birth and you would pull your baby up to your stomach and you would have sighed in relief and gone, oh, thank gosh, right? Thank gosh my baby is here. They're crying, they're happy, they're out. And then you keep them warm and they literally have the instincts within their body to crawl up your stomach to latch onto your breast themselves. Now, this is why your areola, the part around your nipple, turns very dark when you're pregnant. It's because the baby sees contrasting color, black and white, really well. They don't do so well with shades of gray, if that makes sense. So that's why your nipples will change and your areola will change color so much. It's because your baby is gonna crawl up your stomach and latch on. And this breast crawl does a special imprinting thing on the brain. I read research a few years ago, so I can't quote it, I'm sorry, I can't remember the author, um, but it was from about 2002, so not, not a recent study. And they looked at breast crawl and they were caring for women who were having significant difficulties with breastfeeding. Usually these women were separated from their babies at birth. Either the baby was unwell or the mother was unwell or, you know, the hospital didn't have staff to facilitate skin to skin after a cesarean so the baby was sent to special care. This is something that happens. So if you're having a cesarean, it'd be a good idea to talk to your care provider about whether your baby stays with you on your chest at all times or what happens. So in this study, they obviously supported these women to help with breastfeeding, but they also facilitated a breast crawl. And sometimes they would get the women to have a bath with the babies and lots of skin to skin and warmth and really love up on each other. And then they would literally either get out of the bath or if it was safe to do so, allow the babies to use those instincts to recreate the breast crawl. And sometimes that just switched on something in the baby's brain and they had a more rhythmical suck swallow reflex um and yeah it was a really really interesting little study so let's talk about the history of breastfeeding so breastfeeding suffered a smear campaign from artificial milk manufacturers in the 1950s and 70s artificial milk manufacturers ran advertising campaigns labeling breastfeeding as subpar only for the poor and inferior in every way to their products. During this time, there was also advertisements for giving your babies Coca-Cola in milk bottles. To be honest, it was the wild west of advertising and you could say and do anything you wanted without any repercussions. But this is why so many of our mothers and grandmothers didn't breastfeed, was because it was painted as something only the poor did. 
But unfortunately, this was wrong, right? Artificial milks don't measure up to human milk for human babies. Human milk is perfect for human babies. And breastfeeding, although natural, is still a learned skill. Help is out there to support you in your breastfeeding journey. So if you've ever wondered what is in formula, I have a little um, picture that I have on my social media that I'm sharing this week. So watch out for it. It'll be on both my Instagram and Facebook. But it is a table and on the left-hand side, it has breast milk and there are one, two, three, four, five columns of tiny writing with all the different ingredients that we know that are in breast milk. There are still hundreds of um, other kind of things in breast milk that we don't even know what they are or what they do. We're still learning because it's a lived substance. It's alive and it's, yeah, ever-changing. Whereas formula has the same kind of size column, but only one of them. Most formulas are actually made up of lactose or lactulose, which is sugar and carbohydrates. And we know that that's very different to the lactose in breast milk. Sometimes this lactulose or lactose that they have in the formula is from cane sugar or from corn syrup. And that's, again, very different to what our babies need. So the World Health Organization, WHO, they recommend breastfeeding exclusively for the first six months and continuing breastfeeding along with family foods until at least two years of age. They know that there are significant benefits for mums and babies to breastfeed to term. So let's chat about some of the benefits of breastfeeding for mums. There's a significant reduction in chance of cancers to the breast and reproductive organs. That means your ovaries, womb, cervix, all of that. It's an amazing parenting tool to calm babies and toddlers. Breastfeeding really helps. Breastfeeding can also help you lose weight. It can also have the opposite effect on some women. And usually that is um, a result of a hormonal imbalance. So if that's happening to you or that happened to you, it's a really good idea to see an integrative GP or a naturopath, etc., just to check on that. Oxytocin is released during breastfeeds and that's our love hormone. So that makes us feel really good, loved up, and the baby gets that as well. So it's a bonding experience for you and baby. Breastfeeding is free, although I like to put an asterisk here because there is a lot of things marketed for breastfeeding that may be helpful and may really help your journey, such as a supplemental nursing system if you're having trouble um, with supply and you need to give extra milk to the baby for whatever reason, that's, you know, a very handy, great thing to have. But there's lots of things that are kind of put out there that aren't necessary and just a bit over the top. Breastfeeding is always the perfect amount and temperature for your baby because your baby and your body, your breasts, talk to each other. So some of the benefits of breastfeeding for baby are it's the perfectly designed food for your child. Every breastfeed offers the unique recipe of things your baby needs. 
the saliva of your baby tells the mother's body if they have a fever or if they're unwell or need certain nutrients more than others. On hot days, breast milk is more watery to keep your baby hydrated. Uh, breastfeeding also calms your baby and helps them to get to sleep. It's immune building and has antibodies in every single breastfeed. There are a lot of studies now that say that uh, breastfed babies have a higher IQ than artificial milk fed babies. And that is something that triggers the F out of people because they then say, well, my baby's really smart and they were artificially fed. That's great. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that your baby, your child is not, you know, struggling um, academically. That's awesome. But I kind of like to follow the science a little bit more than just one or two people's um, rants on social media. But that's one that really does upset people and I get it, they are triggered. But yeah. Okay, so when we are pregnant and breastfeeding, there are certain things that we can do to support our bodies for it to go smoother. And one of the ways is caring for our breasts appropriately. So it's important that you wear, if you are going to wear a bra, wear a wire-free or a flexi-wire bra. To be honest, I still think wire-free is um, a safer option, but flexi-wire, I tried some of them myself because I didn't want to just assume this, but it is still quite firm on your body. And if there are milk ducts that are trapped beneath this wire, which often there is, um, because we have milk ducts that go all the way around to our armpits. So if one of them is pushed and you know occluded, so the little pipe from the milk duct to the nipple is blocked, that's when we can get a blockage um, and you're more at risk of having mastitis. So in my experience and from more recent literature, we now know that breast shields or shells such as silverette nipple cups, or you can get literal um, shells from the beach that have been cleaned and polished down. They are better than hydrogel breast discs for healing. The hydrogel breast discs, if you look at the ingredients, they're pretty nasty. So although they can be really healing and soothing, um, that's yeah a lot of not very good things to be putting on your body that your babies are going to be sucking on. Letting breast milk dry on your nipples is often more beneficial than lanolin-based creams. However, the lanolin-based creams can be really soothing if you are having really dry, cracked nipples. Coconut oil is really beneficial. Um, and usually your milk comes in between days 2 and 14 postpartum. That's right, 14. Some women have to wait a little while. And it's really important that you know how to support breastfeeding, particularly in those early days, if your milk is taking the full 14 days. But rest assured that colostrum will be enough to sustain your baby during this time. If needed to top up your baby, for instance, if they're having health concerns, etc., you can give stored express breast milk as the first option. This is why I really do advocate for antenatal expressing. So this is when you're pregnant, 
you would um, express milk into a little medicine cup and then draw it up with a syringe and place it in the freezer for use once you've had your baby. And it's really a great insurance policy. Um, if you don't have your own express milk, donor milk is a really great option because then your baby is still having breast milk. And then formula is seen as the last option due to its negative effects on the baby's virgin gut health. Now, people always, again, get very triggered when I talk about these topics. And it's not that I am shaming anyone who has used formula. It's just that these are the truth. These are the facts. And there are so many studies to back up what I'm saying. And it's something I talk about in a lot more depth within my course, The Ultimate Guide to Birthing in Power. So if you're wanting to learn more about antenatal expressing, about how our breasts actually produce milk and how they're stored, um, and how to make your optimal use of your breastfeeding storage time, then maybe check that out. And as always, if you're experiencing difficulty breastfeeding or problems with your baby's output, which is your weasel poos, please seek help from an international board certified lactation consultant, IBCLC ASAP. So let's chat about some fun facts and myths of breastfeeding now. I'm not going to go through all of the different um, different things I talk about in my course because quite frankly, this would be like a five hour long podcast because there's so much information in the Ultimate Guide to Birthing in Power um, and no one would want to listen to a podcast that long. So fun fact number one, the amount of breast milk you can express with a pump or even with your hands does not tell you how much milk you are making. So some women successfully breastfeed their children for years yet cannot get more than a few drops of milk with a breast pump. Your baby's suck will be much better and stronger and effective at drawing out the breast milk than any breast pump. Fun fact number two about breast pumps is that it matters more about the size of the flange, the part that's going on your breast and nipple, and less about which type of pump you have. So I get asked all the time, which pump should I buy? What else do I need to get? And there are some really great ones on the market now. But yes, you need to have the correct flange size to your nipple size. Now, how you know this is you need to literally measure your nipple and how wide that is and have the flange the same size. It's that simple. Most brands now sell different sized flanges. If they don't, they're probably not a very good brand and I would steer clear um, that go onto your pump. Um, ones that I know in Australia that definitely do would be Medela, Spectra. Um, I think there's like a Mama to Me or something like that. But there's lots on the market now. So, um, myth, the first myth I'm gonna talk about is that you need to toughen up your nipples when you're pregnant because breastfeeding is going to be painful. I literally had so many women who were usually 50 plus years old tell me when I was pregnant with my first, um, you know, like that I needed to get sandpaper and use that on my nipples. I mean, actually horrified, but also I'm a midwife and they were telling me that. So what do they tell the poor women who they think, don't have any kind of knowledge 
And they were telling me like as a reminder of, oh, make sure you're preparing your nipples with sandpaper. Sandpaper! Please don't do that. Please don't use sandpaper on your nipples. It's totally fine. But here's the thing. Breastfeeding shouldn't be painful. Sometimes it can feel uncomfortable, like your, your nipples are a bit sensitive um, because, you know, often you've never had a baby suck on them for any kind of length of time or, you know, newborn suck is usually quite strong. But it shouldn't be painful. And if it is, then something is not right. And you need to see an international board certified lactation consultant, ASAP. If you see a lactation consultant and they try telling you one of these red flags, which would be, well, the latch looks good, or things like your nipples just need to toughen up, or um, if they say things like, I don't know how to help you, red flag, right? Go somewhere else, get a second opinion. If they tell you that breastfeeding is painful in the first two, four, six, eight weeks of your baby's life and to basically just get on with it, red flag. If they tell you that, you know, maybe you're just not cut out emotionally to breastfeed, red flag. Okay, get the idea? So yes, the first few seconds of a latch can be uncomfortable in the early days. If you experience any blisters, cracks or bleeding nipples, that means you have an abnormal latch and you need to see an international board certified lactation consultant ASAP. If you're concerned with baby's weight, see an international board certified lactation consultant ASAP. If there's blisters on your baby's lips, same thing. If you need to give artificial milk or express milk, then you can use a supplemental nursing system instead of a bottle. Bottle teats can cause nipple confusion, which is when a baby refuses to suckle at the breast. Now, um, again, this is a podcast, so I can't show you a picture of what an SNS supplemental nursing system is. But again, this is one of the posts that I'm going to have on my Instagram and Facebook this week. So check that out. <clears throat> Basically, it's a little bottle that you would fill with the milk. Um, and at the end of it comes a small tube. And you would pop baby onto the breast as normal. And then you would thread this little tube in the side of their latch. So some women prefer to thread it on once baby's on. Others tape it to the breast and then latch baby on. I've always found it taping it to the breast and then latch baby on is more effective for it to be going in. And basically the, the baby suckles at the breast, stimulating your own letdowns. Plus, they are sucking through the little tiny tube extra milk. So this is a great way to just bypass that whole nipple confusion thing. It can be tricky getting the hang of it, the nursing system, but it is so much easier than bottles and teats and things like that and going from, yeah, like often if we're introducing a bottle, people are less likely to have enough time of the baby suckling at the breast. So this is just another way to kind of bypass that and so that your body is still getting the stimulation it needs to increase its supply um, for whatever reason that you're having issues there. But if you 
are needing a supplemental nursing system, then you need to see an International Board Certified Lactation Consultant as well, okay? I don't care what your GP says or what your paediatrician says or your child health nurse says, you need to see someone who specializes in breastfeeding. Now, a lactation consultant, they are like the world's experts in breastfeeding, right? And of course, just like midwives and doctors, there's some kind of good eggs and some that don't really know what they're talking about. Um, for instance, I once told, had a GP tell me that women don't breastfeed anymore because they're lazy. After I told her that we were having breastfeeding troubles and I was seeing a lactation consultant, she literally told me I was just being lazy. So there's people out there who just don't have knowledge. So another common myth is that if your baby is big and if your baby is gaining lots of weight with breastfeeding, then you need to introduce solid foods sooner. That your baby will be too hungry to suffice on just your breast milk because they're big, because your husband's big, because you're big stature, so you need to give them food earlier. Now this is not true and this can be really detrimental for your baby's well-being, for their gut health, because a baby's um, intestines and stomach just are not ready for solid foods until at least six months of life. Again, there's lots of research on this. This is not just my opinion, but if you're interested, um, I do talk about it in The Ultimate Guide to Birthing in Power, but also um, you could research virgin gut theory um, and why that's really important for long-term health. So if you're having issues with breastfeeding and you need help, how can you do that? And I'm going to tell you. So first off, you can call the Australian Breastfeeding Association. They have a hotline number and you can talk to someone, um, a breastfeeding counsellor on the phone and they can help direct you to information from their association but also recommend you to other people either in your area um, or online who could help you like a lactation consultant. If you are overseas or even in Australia, you can have a look at the La Leche League International. Now I'm going to spell that for you. It's L-A space L-E-C-H-E. La Leche. They have some absolutely amazing information about breastfeeding, about breast sleeping, about co-sleeping and just parenthood in general on their websites. It's really great. If you are in an area where you don't have a lactation consultant, which is very common, particularly in Australia, then you can see people online, either over the phone or on Zoom consults, and they can be really helpful at getting the correct information for your specific circumstances. Now, if you're in the USA um, or you are happy to have a consult with an international person, Jacqueline, who is from Holistic Lactation, she's in the USA and does Zoom consults. Her Instagram and Facebook and website are amazing sources of information. And I think she does have a podcast as well, but I'm potentially not correct on that. If you're in Australia, there is Meg Nagel, who is the Milk Meg on Facebook and Instagram. Again, her content is amazing. And I, as a midwife, have learned so much from her. She is on uh, the Gold Coast, I think, or Brisbane. 
in Queensland, Australia, but she does Zoom consults all around the world. And then also we have Pinky McKay here in Australia and she does Zoom consults. Her name is spelt P-I-N-K-Y and then last name M-C-K-A-Y. So I'm going to have some um, information for you in the show notes today as well. And then you can ask people in your local area if there's a recommended experienced lactation consultant. Often your midwife, doctor, hospital may have a recommendation for you. Or they might know where the closest one is if you're willing to travel. And lastly, I want to end today's podcast with this. Listen up. Breastfeeding isn't just about breast milk. It isn't just about the baby. You matter, the mother. Your feelings matter. Your mental health matters. When you are suffering, so is your ability to be a great mum. But the answer might not be to give up breastfeeding. Doing that can actually cause more harm to your mental health through the grief, unresolved trauma, sudden hormone shifts, etc. Then the right support and advocacy that you might need. I'm a huge advocate for getting support for your mental and emotional health, but it's important that you do what you need to to take care of yourself. And for some women that will be continuing breastfeeding with the support of a lactation consultant and a supportive pediatrician and getting your baby's tongue assessed for any oral restrictions in their mouth, And for others, that might be ceasing breastfeeding or moving to exclusively expressing, pumping for your baby, or moving to donor milk or moving to artificial milk. But it's important that you know that you matter and it's okay for you to do what you need to to get through this tricky period of motherhood. And I also wanted to say that it does get so much better and so much easier those first few weeks as a mum are so hard. That's why we call the first 12 weeks after you've had a baby the fourth trimester. And on that note, next week I'm going to be doing a podcast on the fourth trimester. So listen out for that one too. I just wanted to send everyone massive bucket loads of love because this week can be triggering for some, for others who are approaching their birthing day maybe you're feeling a little bit of anxiety about you know wanting breastfeeding to really work out and to go well and I just want to say that you've got this and you have everything you need right now inside of you to birth your baby to nourish your baby and to know what's best for you and your family's health whatever and however that looks so thank you for listening And I just wanted to have another little reminder that, of course, this is not a complete guide to breastfeeding or anything like that. This is just a short snippet podcast of some of the thoughts I had leading up to World Breastfeeding Week. Of course, if you want to find out more, you can do um, my e-course, The Ultimate Guide to Birthing in Power, where I talk about all of this in length, in detail, and am more likely to have not missed things. Before I leave you today, I just wanted to make a quick little announcement. Soon I am going to be welcoming my third little munchkin earth side 
and as such, I will be going on maternity leave. What this will mean is that enrollments for the Ultimate Guide to Birthing in Power will close periodically. And so this is your warning. The enrollments are only going to be opening for the next couple of weeks. And by September 2022, they're going to be closed for at least three months. So if you have had your eye on the Ultimate Guide to Birthing in Power, I encourage you to purchase sooner rather than later. I am not sure what the new year will bring for me and my family if we will be um, offering different services or different courses and yeah with each new baby brings a new lease on life and new perspective so I'm being open to that that coming my next course is launching very soon as well it is called the manifestation masterclass and it is hopefully going live in the next week or so um, for those who have purchased the Ultimate Guide to Birthing in Power, there will be a discount code within the course for you to use for any new courses as well. So that's just a fun little fact for you. As always, sending you lots and lots of love um, and thinking of all the mamas leading up to their birthing day and those in their fourth trimester. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much for listening, dear ones. Remember to check out the show notes for links to all of my social media and to my link tree where you can find all my offerings, including some sneaky freebies. So go check that out. Remember to like and subscribe so that you can keep up to date with all my new episodes. Have a beautiful evening or morning, whatever it may be. All my love.